Ain't it good that we are that one reason? He would have done it for us if it was just for us. For just for me, he would have done it. Just for you, he wouldn't have done it. It's so public yet so personal what Jesus has done for us. Well, I got, I guess you could say maybe a confirmation of the message this morning uh, at Tahlequah campus when Glenn called me and Dave into the room and was going to pray for the services and everything going on both at Exciting Southeast and uh, everywhere that people of Exciting Southeast are serving today, because I gave the message title, and that is, God Turns Our Tragedy Into Triumph, and Glenn looked at me with a smirky smile and said, well, you're preaching to the OU and Texas fans this morning. And so, if you're an OU fan or a Texas fan, this message is for you, uh, as we all we took some tragic losses yesterday, but it'll be all right. There's still triumph at the end. And uh, <clears throat> I joke about that, but that is where uh, God was leading me this week in the message is how he can turn our tragedies into triumph. We think of all the things that we go through uh, and how God can use them and turn them, uh, what looks like such bad situations, such bad tragedies, and bring his glory and our good out of it. And as you can turn to Genesis, we're going to look or kind of overview the story of Joseph, because I believe Joseph is a story that displays uh, God taking some tragedy, some turmoil, uh, tragic life, and turning it into uh, a triumphant life and a glorious life for God's glory and for Joseph's good. And so Genesis chapter 37 is where we'll start, and again, we'll kind of be all throughout, all throughout the rest of Genesis from 37 to 50. Uh, but those first four verses, and I'm not going to read them, but from the beginning when we read about Joseph, uh, it just starts off as not a real good, not a real good life. Uh, it comes, he's the youngest of his brothers, and we think of his dad. Dad is Jacob, and Jacob, one, has multiple wives, and you can't tell me that that is in any way or situation going to be good. That means there's probably some dysfunction in the family. There's probably some chaos. Not only did Jacob have multiple wives, but Jacob also, or Joseph, I guess you could say, jo Joseph had 11 brothers and a sister, which, again, I know we got some big families uh, in this church, and I'm sure they'd say that can be a little chaotic at times. But not only did he have a big family, Joseph was the youngest. His daddy considered him his favorite, and because of it, the rest of his brothers hated him. And so from the beginning, there was some tragedy in that he, his family, his siblings, didn't really care for him. They didn't like him. They was jealous. They was envious of him. And so from the start, Joseph really uh, kind of lived a tragic life. Because how many, I would say, uh, wants to be wanted and loved by their brothers and sisters, their siblings, right? Well, I think we'd all uh, want to be loved by our brothers and sisters. So if it wasn't tragic enough that uh, his dad had multiple wives and there was a whole slew of them, 14 or 15 of them in the family, I can't imagine trying to pick a place to eat. That would have been tough. I can't imagine trying to share the bathroom with all those brothers and sisters. Must have been tough. But we get to verse 5, and it seems like for uh, a while here, Joseph's life just gets worse and worse and worse. And verse 5 of, of chapter 37 in Genesis says this, Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brother, and they hated him even more. 
So he said to them, Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. And then there were binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright, and indeed your sheaf stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, Shall indeed you reign over us, or shall you indeed have dominion over us? And so they hated him even more for his dreams and his word. So when we get into how God can take our tragedy and turn it into triumph, I want us to see first we must trust in God's plan. God gave Joseph a dream. That was, God, that was God's uh, purpose. That was God's calling. That was God's gift to Joseph. He gave him a dream. He gave it through the dream. And you can see Joseph's excited about his purpose. Joseph's excited about his calling. How many of you, how many of you in here by raise of hand can say, I'm excited about what God's called me to do? Why do I think he's excited? Because he goes and tells his family. How many ever gets exciting news and the first people you tell? I'm going to go tell dad, mom, I'm going to go tell brother, sister. I'm going to go tell those that are closest to me. And so he tells, uh, he tells them about his dream from God, which is maybe hard for them to hear. Obviously, it's hard for them to hear because what it is is I'm going to be ruler over you. Again, he's the baby. And these times, it was that firstborn son that was the prize, right? He was the one who got everything. He was the one who was kind of held on the pedestal, and so he brings this news to them of his, his dream, his, his purpose, his calling from God, and the first thing that happens is his brother, who already were envious and jealous and didn't really care for him that much, they hate him even more. And so tragedy after tragedy we see again in Joseph's life. But then let's read a little further. Not only did his brothers hate him and uh, not like the message, the dream that God had given him, but also it said, then he dreamed still another dream. This is verse 9. And told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream, and this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him, saying to him, What is this dream you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come and bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept this matter in mind. So now, has this second dream, not only is it brothers, but it's going to be mom and dad too and he tells them again excited because we should be excited about what God's gifted us and purposed us for in this life he tells them and first thing is father rebukes him and questions his dream now again when we're excited we tell those that are closest to us this was his favorite son and brought him the dream that God had given and he rebukes him for it how do you feel as Joseph sitting here God's called you to this. God's purposed you for this. He's planned this. And you come to the person who is clearly, he clearly likes me the best. And when I tell him, he begins to rebuke me. He begins to hate on me. Uh, Joseph could have easily wadded up God's plan and said, God, this isn't for me. My family already didn't like me. Now they hate me even worse. The one who did like me and who I did kind of have favor in his eyes, he just rebuked me because of my dream. Uh, he could have easily threw that dream out the window, threw that plan, threw that purpose that God gave him out the window and continued on Joseph's way. But he didn't do that. He trusted in God's plan. And Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, a popular pop came to that title, I got sold into slavery. But I just continued to trust God's plan. His ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And so if we asked Joseph, uh, he would tell us that this probably wasn't exactly sketched out how he would have sketched it out, 
hey, I'm okay with the plan. And I think a lot of us say we're okay with God's purpose, his plan. But sometimes the, the route that he takes us on, uh, we try to question and try to maybe pull the reins back and, and fight God with it. Well, Joseph didn't do that. He stayed faithful, stayed true, continued trusting God in his plan. And you just look at the thing. So first he tells his family that they betray him, they rebuke him, they are jealous of him, they hate him because of it. And then he gets sold into slavery. And so now the guy who's supposed to be ruling over is a slave. And then uh, it's one of those just up and down stories with Joseph. Uh, it's like tragedy goes down and then it's starting to work itself back up. He's a slave for Potiphar. And Potiphar uh, sees that everything that Joseph does because he's serving the Lord is just prosperous and God blesses. And so he's getting some promotions within Potiphar's house. And he's getting promotions, so maybe Joseph is there thinking, all right, this is it. God's plan's finally coming together. I'm headed to the top. And just about that time, Scripture says that Joseph, he was a good-looking guy. He was easy on the eyes. And the eyes that he was easy on was Potiphar's wife. That was his master's wife uh, who liked Joseph. He, she came after Joseph, was flirting with him, and he avoided her, pushed her away. Uh, and it came to that time when he's working in their house and she tries to come to him again, tries to come on to him again, and he flees. He's close laying on the floor. She grabs it. When Potiphar gets home, she says, your slave, he tried to rape me today. He tried to rape me today. So everything's kind of coming back up and then boom, tragedy again. He's falsely accused of uh, raping his master's wife. And so that obviously don't go good. He gets thrown in prison uh, for that. And again, we see that he finds favor in the prison guard's eyes because he's faithfully serving. No matter where God puts him, he understands God's in control. God has a plan. And he's continuing to serve uh, and continuing to trust God's plan. He's finding favor in the prison guard's eyes. And again, Two other fellers get thrown in prison with him. That's the, the chief baker and the chief butler for Pharaoh. And they have some dreams. They're discussing these dreams. And Joseph overhears and steps in, and they're discussing them. They tell Joseph the dreams, and he interprets these dreams for him. And the last thing that Joseph says after he interprets these dreams is, when this happens, don't forget about me. Don't forget about me. That's all I ask is when all this happens that I'm telling you about your dreams, when it happens, just don't forget about me. And so, again, things are going okay exactly as he interpreted happened. And the chief butler does what? Forgets about him, forgets about Joseph. And so Joseph may be seeing the light at the end of the tunnel thinking this is my way out. If they see that I can interpret dreams, they're going to let me out of here. I'm going to get gone, uh, and I'll be on my way to that triumph that ruler and reigning uh, purpose that God's given me, but still yet, not again, because they forgot about him. And then we go on to, uh, a little bit later, Pharaoh's dream. It's like the, the chief butler had that aha moment. Oh, yeah, you, had, you have in a dream, and you can't figure out who can interpret it. There was that guy, Joseph, when I was in prison, and I had a dream. Uh, he interpreted it for me, and just as he said it was, it happened. And so Pharaoh goes and gets Joseph and gets him, tells him the dream, and Joseph interprets that dream, and he says, here's what's going to happen. There's going to be seven good years. Uh, there's going to be seven good years where there's plenty of harvest, lots of crops, everything's good, plentiful. 
And then after the seven good years, there's going to be seven bad years. Harsh famine, hard famine. It's going to be worse than the good years. And Joseph tells him, here's what you need to do. You need to get a guy, and you need to put him over all of the stuff, and we need to be uh, cautious and careful about how we spend these seven good years so that we can have enough for these seven bad years. And so Pharaoh says, well, you're that guy. And so there it goes. From, from that tragedy, faithful, trusting God's plan, and he finally gets uh, to that triumphant rule and reign. And in Egypt, nonetheless, if you would ask Joseph when he had that dream, where do you think you're going to rule over? you think it'll be in Egypt? I guarantee you he wouldn't have said, yeah. He wouldn't have said, yeah, I'll be ruling in Egypt. But he becomes the second in command of Egypt, and we know that that was God's plan, and God continued to bless him in that plan. And so Joseph, through it all, trusted God's plan. The hatred of his family, the betrayal, the slavery, false accusations, forgotten by the chief butler, but he stayed faithful and trusted God through it all. And that's how he could see triumph at the end because God sends us through these things. There, our, our Sunday night prayer meetings, there's tons of prayer requests. There's people in here hurting and going through things. But God has a plan, and he can bring us through those things and bring his, him glory and us good if we'll just trust him and stay faithful to him. But too many times when things get a little bit tough or a little bit tight, we try to control things ourselves. Don't do that. Be like a Joseph. Trust in God. He's got a plan for your life. He's got a purpose for your life. He's got a calling for your life. Not only did he trust in God's plan, uh, Joseph understood God's peace. And I want to read, it's in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, where we see that through it all, Joseph understood the peace of God, which we, we know God's peace is not taking us out of our storms, taking us out of our struggles, taking us out of our strategy, tragedy, but it is giving us peace in the middle of all of those storms, of all of those struggles, and in the middle of that tragedy. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20 says, Joseph speaking, this is when he's, his brothers, they're in the time of famine, his brothers have come to get food, and they realize that Joseph is now second in command in Egypt, and they're scared to death. They think he's going to try to bring revenge on them, going to try to hurt them, maybe take them prisoners. Uh, they don't really know what to think about their, their baby brother being the second in command of Egypt. But here's what he says. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about as it is this day to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Joseph understood God's peace. It's not about uh, the circumstances or the situations that we're in. It's about understanding that when we're in those circumstances, when we're in those situations, when they're in those tragedies, God's right there with us. He's never leaving us, never forsaken us, and he's going to walk us right through the middle of those things. <clears throat> Tons of scriptures on peace uh, and the peace of God. One that I just thought fit perfectly with how Joseph life, Joseph's life played out is John 16, 33, familiar passage. It says, I have said these things that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We can go through all the things that we go through, death, disease, sickness, illness, times of struggle maybe financially, times of struggle with health, uh, 
mentally, whatever it may be, we can have peace because we know that God has overcome the world. He's overcome everything that we're going to go through, every obstacle he's done knocked down. And so we can have peace knowing that we have a God who's with us. Second Thessalonians 3.16 says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and, at all, and in all ways. And I just always go back to what Dad says, and he says it often. Know Jesus, N-O Jesus, know peace. Where we look in this passage of Scripture uh, through 30, Genesis 37 through uh, the end of Genesis, God has favor on Joseph. Chapter 30, 39 verses 1 through 5, you kind of see, I'm going to read verse 2, but through it all, God provided. Even when what looked like a mess, what looked like tragedy, what looked like uh, the bitter end of Joseph, God always was there providing, giving him success, giving him favor. Verse 2 of chapter 39 in Genesis says, The Lord was with Joseph, and he was successful, and he was in the house of the master Egyptian. Verse 3, And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. And then he made him the overseer of the house, and all that he had was put under his authority. So, again, look at his life. We said his family betrayed him. They hated him. They were jealous of him. He was sold into slavery by his family. And then he was a slave in Egypt, and then falsely accused of rape and put in prison, and then forgotten by the guy that was supposed to maybe be the one that got him out when he told him that Joseph interprets dreams. You see all that, and we think, Joseph had a successful life. God made Joseph a successful man, because it doesn't seem like that right here. Uh, It doesn't seem like that up to this point either. At this point, he's been sold into slavery, and he's working as a slave in Potiphar's house. That doesn't seem like a very successful man uh, in our eyes or in the world's eyes, but God has a different plan of success. And through it all, he was making sure that Joseph was favored. They said the Lord found favor in Joseph because Joseph was being faithful to his plan. Joseph was being faithful where God put him. And so the Lord found favor on him. And everything that Joseph was put over just it began to prosper. God's blessing was on it. And tragedies, uh, what may look like unsuccess or may look like uh, complete and total chaos in our eyes, God always seems uh, to show that he is there providing. Maybe it's financially. Uh, if you're struggling financially, understand that God's going to be there. If you're doing uh, the Lord's work and you're trusting in him, he's going to give you that help in that financial area. If it's ability, Man, you just thank God I'm not good enough for the Like, you've called me to be a teacher. You've called me to be a preacher. You've called me to do this or do that. Uh, God, I just don't know. He's going to give you the ability. And this quote, and it's by Charles Spurgeon, and I've used it in our youth quite a bit, but it's God's work done God's way will never lack God's supply. That's what we should understand as Christians. When we're doing God's work, it's got to be his work, and it's got to be his way, then it will never lack his supply. His supply chain never runs out. He's always got what we need. And whether that be ability, whether that be money, whether that be talents, whatever it may look like, he's always got it. And look at how he provides uh, for, jo- for Joseph. We think about, again, I said, at, if we was to ask Joseph, where do you think you'll be ruling? I don't think he would have thought Egypt. Uh, sometimes it's funny how God 
provides and supplies and even gives us our triumph. Right? We would have never guessed him to be a slave in Egypt because of his dream and what God's plan for him was. We would have never guessed him to be the ruler in Egypt. But sometimes God uses these uh, funny ways of providing and showing us that he's still in control even in the midst of our tragedy. And it makes me think the lady, she was in bad health and wasn't doing very good. And because of it, she couldn't work, didn't have a job. And so financially things were getting tight. Health was bad. She couldn't get out. So she didn't have a lot of things that she needs. Well, her neighbor, who was a devout atheist, uh, he was concerned for her, and he would go over there and help her when she needed help. And, of course, he to her house, and I'm just going to laugh at her face, saying, yeah, what's God doing for you now? And so he goes, goes to the grocery store, picks up all these things she needed, comes back, gets out of the car. He's kind of headed up the sidewalk with a little bit of a smirky smile on his face, thinking, I'm about to get her. She's going to be speechless. He sets the groceries down and says, now, tell me how your God is doing providing for you. I went and got those groceries, not God. And she just began to thank and praise the Lord. And she said, God, you're so good. You just provide in all the things that I need. And sat there for a second. And God, I thank you because you'll even use the enemy to do it. And so she understood God's provision. And that's how Joseph was. Uh, in his life, it was sometimes some funny people uh, that was supplying some of that provision, supplying some of those needs that he needed met. But nonetheless, they did it. And because... He did trust in God's plan because he did understand God's peace. Uh, he could know that God would provide. And so, David, you can come up and start the music for invitation. As I was planning and kind of discussing with Dad what I would do on Friday evening, he sent, I guess it would be now, on set, we discussed it, and then on Saturday, Saturday morning, he sent me this text and it was from Kip Pharaoh, which is the Pharaoh cattle company that he's in with. And he does a Saturday morning devotion every week. And he sent that to me and said, I just thought this might fit. And when I read it, it does. And so I kinda, I'm going to close with this. It's, the title of the devotion was Blessed is the Man. It says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. For he will be like a, planted, a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. It leaves, its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. That's Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. The devotion goes on to say this. I came across these two verses last week when I was working on my Trust in the Lord devotion. I thought they would be a good follow-up devotion for today. Blessed are those who trust the Lord. When the going gets tough, they will not have no fear nor any concern because they know the Lord is in control of the situation. To be honest, I've always had trouble trusting totally and completely in the Lord. To me, it's like turning over the steering wheel of a vehicle that's going 80 miles per hour down a winding and rough road. I know these verses to be true, but that doesn't make it any easier. I've been thrown into a few situations in which I had had absolutely no options other than to totally and completely trust in the Lord. I'd be wrong to say God put me in all those situations. He didn't. But God, however, was able to use those situations to teach me and to draw me closer to Him. 
That's exactly what Joseph did with his life. He trusted in God's plan throughout all of it, the tragedy, the good, the bad, the ugly. He had a peace knowing that God was going to provide for him, and clearly God did. He was like that tree planted firmly. He was able to bear fruit. He was able to always have what he needed supplied to him in the Lord. And so I was just thinking about, as I would close this, what about the tragedy on that Friday that Jesus was put in the tomb? His followers, they didn't know whether to run and hide. They didn't know what to think. They didn't even, is he going to rise again? And the doubts, the fears, the worry, the concern, it was a tragedy. Friday rolls by. Saturday rolls by. Nothing. There's still, what in the world's going on? And I think too many Christians live in that Friday and Saturday, but don't understand Sunday's coming. And Sunday came... And Jesus was resurrected from the grave. And so we have something to be excited about because God can bring us triumph through those storms, through those struggles, through those tragedies. And He can bring it right here on earth. But ultimately, as a Christian, He's going to bring that triumph one day when He comes again and gets us. So everyone stand, heads bowed, eyes closed. I don't know what everyone's going through. I don't know the tragedies that may be going in your life. Maybe it's just the simple stresses of day-to-day life. But God wants you to trust in Him with them. He wants you to bring them. Oh, Jesus, I'd love to show you this morning how to do that. Altars are open. Come. Father, I come to you. I just thank you for this day. I thank you for your goodness. I just pray that these people would respond in a way that's pleasing to you. Father, I pray that you would glorify, honor, and praise this morning. We love you. Praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.